Today, the preacher of the book of Hebrews, that's what I like to refer to him as because I believe this is more of a sermon or a series of sermons than it is a letter. So the preacher to the church, the house church of Hebrews, the one whom this writing is composed for, here's the culmination of a sermon on rest that began back in chapter, chapter 3. The Holy Spirit speaks through the living word today. Today. You could say today is the day. God speaks to us today through the living word, through our scriptures. And as God speaks to us today, we are invited to hear and to listen. Just as the Hebrews were invited to hear on that particular day that they heard this sermon, they were invited to hear the living word on that day some 2,000 years ago. Today, we can hear that word as well. I thought it might be helpful for me to share a little bit of an illustration of how God has spoken to me um, over the summer. Um, I'm involved in a, in a book study, a group of pastors that, um, that are part of a book study. And um, one of the things that, that we do is uh, we'll do the book study one week. The next week um, we will talk about how, how God's word has spoken to us. And we kind of go back and forth. And, and so it's an interesting interaction between God's word and between some of the insights that I receive from some of my friends. Now, these friends are a variety of people. Majority of them are Lutheran pastors, but some are um, actually from the evangelical tradition and from other Protestant traditions. And um, so as we meet um, for this book study, in particular the book we've been reading is called um, The King Jesus Gospel by Scott McKnight. And um, in this book, uh, Professor McKnight is kind of raising the question about has the Christian church reduced the gospel, the good news, if you want to take the gospel, that word in the Greek, and translate it literally, it's called the good news. Have we taken the good news and transformed it, or maybe even reduced it, to the plan of salvation? Now this has been a particular interesting indictment for my evangelical friends. Um, it's shaken them to their core, which is what we want as pastors, at least, in, in this kind of a group. Um, I want them to shake me. I want them to be shaken so that we can actually grow and do the very best work that we can do. And, and so one of the challenges for them was that they had often reduced the gospel to, like, the four spiritual laws or the seven steps to eternal life, and there was nothing in relationship to the the totality of the scriptures that when they talked about the gospel they focused it upon salvation and in particular accepting Jesus Christ and then kind of 
forgetting about those people and then going on to the next ones. The challenge has been for them that they have, they have seen where they have fallen into that. And they want to have a more expansive understanding of the gospel. And one of the ways that, that they have sought to, to get that is from their Lutheran friends um, who talk about um, growing in faith from the onset of baptism. And, and so um, because we um, are people who believe uh, that it's appropriate to baptize infants, um, we have um, an important faith formation aspect to our understanding of, of discipleship, in a sense, for, for children and young adults. The problem for us, our weakness has been that we don't have anything for adult discipleship by and large, other than maybe some Bible studies. But a Bible study is not going to, to grow you in terms of how you're following Jesus. And so um, the interesting thing about listening to the Word of God, listening to the Holy Spirit, listening to our friendships, one of the things that we're learning from one another is that we both have weaknesses. They've left out the faith formation aspect of much of their ministry, and we have not focused on adult discipleship. And in some respects, we, we have been so quick to baptize, but not done a very good job of following up, especially when they are not a part of the community of faith, which then begins to beg the question, should churches be baptizing children that are not a part of the community of faith? I would still argue, yeah, we should do that. But maybe there's some ways that we can be more involved in their lives. If anything, we've learned that with Zoom this past year, right? It's not impossible to be involved in somebody's life, even though they're not a part of this community. And so, by listening to the Holy Spirit, one of the things that God has put upon my heart is that we need to rethink how we support families who have children that are baptized here. And um, that means that we are, we need, to, we need to be a part of their lives. And we need them to be a part of our life as a body of Christ. And that relationship doesn't happen unless we are going to be intentional about it. You see, if we continue to do the church the way we have in the past, we will continue to get the same results. Declining membership, declining participation. There is um, an article that I read recently. Um, is it true that the Lutheran church will no longer exist in 30 years? And the answer was yes. <laughs> I mean, we used to get some of the unequivocal answers. Well, it's possible. This particular author said yes. It is clear that the way the Lutherans are going, that they will not exist in 30 years. 
which is up to God from my perspective. However, if we as a church are listening to God, I, and I, this is another piece of listening that, that I have been involved with today. I mean, today meaning throughout the, the summer, throughout the last couple of years. And one of the things that, that God has imprinted upon my heart is that we need to rethink how we have been doing the church because we have been, we have been trying to um, transfer members from other churches into our church. That's how we grow. You, um, and, and that's how many, most of you maybe have come here, and we love that you're here. So I'm not saying that transfers are a bad thing because you transfer from somewhere. But if you went to the church down the street and you got upset with the pastor and you didn't ever talk to the pastor, you just started to come to this church or another church and you got upset with that church and you went down the street to another church without ever talking to the pastor. I mean, you get my point here that that kind of transfer is not going to be helpful for the body of Christ. What will be helpful is if we can begin to rethink how we do the church in relationship to teaching people to follow Jesus. That adult piece that we have not done in the church. I mean, we have been great at, historically, the Lutheran church has been great at developing children and youth into their adult faith. However, have we been that good at it the last few years? And if we haven't been that good at it the last few years, should we keep trying to do the same thing over and over again, expecting different results? It's too complicated for me to go into what I mean by following Jesus, but what it means um, simply is that we begin to look at our lives today and every day in relationship to the Christ. To truly to be a Christ follower, meaning taking some intentional time every day to listen, to hear, and to respond. One um, couple that is answering that call to walk with families is, uh, I'll put her on the spot, she's here today, is Cynthia and Tom Karsten. And you'll be hearing more from them about that um, in September. We'll have them speaking at a breakthrough moment. Um, But it's an important transition that we make as a church. So some of this is hard to hear. It's not fun, kind of like the virus. But sometimes we need to hear the hard things in order to be able to to grow, for the Holy Spirit to do its work. Isn't that what our scripture said at the end of the reading that Larry shared with us this morning? For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. 
Nothing in creation is hidden from it. And so the preacher is saying, this preacher to the Hebrews, that today is the day that we should be listening to God. And we could say that tomorrow will be the day that we should be listening to God. And then on Tuesday, it will be the day. You see, this is not something that is one and done. This is a process of how we live our lives as followers of Jesus. The preacher is saying today that the Lord is calling us back to a Sabbath rest. I counted 14 times that rest is used in our reading for today in those first 11 verses. The preacher is focused on rest and in particular upon Sabbath rest. So, so what is this rest, this Sabbath rest? When we think of this, we probably think of one of, of two things. We, we probably think of resting on the Sabbath day. We don't work on the Sabbath. It's a day of rest. Well, we might cheat and mow the lawn or um, do the dishes or do things that, you know, we don't really uh, uh, um, equalize to, to a full day of work. But nonetheless, um, for most of us, when we think of the Sabbath, we think of a day of rest. Um, a second meaning of, of the Sabbath rest might be um, after our deaths. Um, we say that we, when we die, that we will rest from our labors. What do we say in reference to the dearly beloved? We ask that they would rest in peace, right? And so those would be the two most common understandings of rest, of Sabbath rest, in our particular vocabulary. But the preacher to the Hebrews is making what I think is a much more expansive definition of Sabbath rest. And as he does this, um, a, a little side note. When we talk about um, rest, um, you remember in Genesis 2, um, God created the, the earth and the universe all in six days. The sixth day, what did he create? Us, humans. And then on the seventh day, what did he create? Nothing. He rested. And um, so this is a, this will be in the study sheet as well. So it's a fun little question to ask. So do you rest? Maybe that would be the first question. The second question is, do you rest from your work? Or do you work from your rest? You see, I think most of us in our culture today, we would say that we rest from our work because our focus is work, 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 and then we'll take a day of rest, right? But in the original creation, God was the one who labored for six days. We were created on that sixth day. And then our first full day on the earth, our first full day in creation was a day of rest. So we actually began life in the resting mode. And then we went to work. And so the question then, do you work 
from your rest? Or are you just resting from your work? See, if you follow creation, we should be working from our rest. But if we, you know, if we understand our sense of being, being children of God, we should work from our rest. We should be grounded in our rest. But if we're focused on doing, on achieving and earning merits, then we might be working and finding an occasional time to rest. One of those philosophical questions. Just a side note. So um, what the preacher from the Hebrews is saying is that it's more than just resting from your labor. As important as that is, it's more than just resting from your work. As a matter of fact, um, Sabbath rest would include our worship and our praise of God. And so it is more than just taking a day off. It is taking a day off that can be devoted to God, that can be devoted to worshiping God, that can be devoted to, um, to, to praising God, to bringing glory to God. And so as we do that, um, we realize then it's more than just resting. We also learn from this preacher that, um, that the Sabbath rest is more than just a place. Uh, for some of the Israelites, rest became identified with the place. Um, and we talked about that a little bit last week in our sermon uh, from the book of Num- Numbers when the Israelites were wandering through the wilderness and um, that they were not being faithful in their obedience to God. They were not trusting in God. And, and so, what, um, so, so what, what the Israelites heard from God was that they would not enter their rest. And what that meant was that the Israelites would not enter the promised land because that was what they had identified as their rest. The promised land was the land of Canaan that had been given to them. And the spies had gone in to check out the land. You remember Caleb was ready to go? No one else was. Everyone else said, oh, it's filled with giants. We're not going in there. It's too scary. We'll just stay out here in the wilderness a while longer yet. And that angered God and said, I told you to go. You have a leader who's willing to lead you. And yet, you decide to just stay here. Well, that's when God tells them, at least that older generation, including Moses, means that you will not enter your rest. You will not enter, your bodies will not die in the promised land. You will die in the wilderness. So the people get upset and worried, and so then they decide well, let's go. We'll, we'll go and attack these people ourselves. And they get slaughtered. Because who wasn't with them? The Lord was not with them. Kind of sounds like my life sometimes when God has told me to do something and I haven't done it. And then when I realize it was a mistake and I try to do it and God says, I'm not with you at this point. <laughs> and so... 
what we are learning is that the Sabbath rest is more expansive than just resting. And it is more important than just being located in a particular place. The preacher seems to want us to know that the Sabbath rest is a possibility for the listeners of this sermon. This preacher of the Hebrews wants his people to know that this Sabbath rest is available for them. And we could say that because this is a living word, that this preacher is still preaching to us today to remind us that this rest is a viable option for us as well. And this is an open possibility, an open invitation. And an interesting way that this preacher highlights it is that he, he quotes Genesis 2 to the creation story. And as he does that, he said, you know, that was the beginning. But then God has showed salvation throughout history. And for, for example, King David then uses the story from the book of Numbers in a psalm that he has written. And in this psalm, um, he, he says something interesting, um, and, which is where the preacher from the Hebrews um, re- gets the idea to, to lift that up as well. In Psalm 95, verse 7, we are the people he watches over, um, the flocks under his care. If only you would listen to his voice today. <laughs> and so the preacher is saying, in essence, well, King David followed the Israelites in the wilderness 250-some years later. And if it was open in creation, and if it was open for the wilderness people, then it's still open for the people of King David's era, then it certainly is still open for us today. So this is a promise that is ongoing from God to receive this gift of Sabbath rest. The end of chapter 3 highlights those who were disobedient in their faithfulness in verses 16 to 19. And who was it who rebelled against God even though they heard his voice? Wasn't it the people Moses led out of Egypt? And who made God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it the people who sinned? whose corpses lay in the wilderness? And to whom was God speaking when he took an oath that they would never enter his rest? Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. And today, we have a reminder that that promise of God's rest is present for us today. In verse 11 of our reading from this morning. So let us do our best to enter that rest. Let us do our best to enter that rest. You see, what the the author, the preacher from Hebrews is telling us is that rest could be synonymous for us today with salvation. We are promised God's rest. We are promised God's salvation. And then God is calling us to be faithful in our journeys here on earth, our pilgrimages. That was a problem for the Israelites. They were disobedient in their faith to God. But that is an open question for the Hebrews. 
Well, they remained faithful. And you could say that that's an open question for us. Well, we remained faithful in spite of all the challenges that we are facing as a church, as people of God, as people of a, a city and a state and a nation. Well, we remain faithful to God. One of the greetings that I learned from some of my Jewish friends, clear back in college, Patty and I got the opportunity to study in Israel when we were in college as well, and so we actually experienced it there a lot. But even today, when I have a Jewish friend that I'm with on the Sabbath, um, he or she will often greet me, Shabbat Shalom. means have a holy uh, Sabbath. And, and so it, it's an important greeting um, to begin the Sabbath. And the reason I thought of that was that it's a greeting that means peace be to you. But it's more than just kind of a peace between warring um, groups of people. It's really a wholeness, a completeness, peace that brings complete wholeness and healing to your life. The Sabbath rest um, is where God offers more than just the cessation of work, where God gives us an opportunity for more than just an hour of worship. The Sabbath rest is the fullness of God in your life, spiritually, emotionally, physically, socially, intellectually, vocationally, financially. And this is how God speaks to us today, I believe. This is a gift that God's living word speaks to us, even if it can be sharp sometimes. Because when we participate with God, when we listen, we hear God. And we can hear God's call, and we can grow from that call. God can say, Steve, it's time for me to help you get your spiritual life in order. Are you ready? Or maybe it's more like, Let's get settled in on your vocation, not, not my job, my, my calling. What's my spiritual calling? What am I supposed to be doing as a Christian? I know who I am, but what is God calling me to do? Or, or maybe it's time to get your financial life in order. See, God uses this living word by the power of the Holy Spirit to strike up conversations with us. And it is a gift because this is the offer of rest that God gives to us. It's this Sabbath rest. This is what creates Shabbat Shalom, this beautiful wholeness and peace. Now, I may be speaking to the choir because we are probably all children of God here. And so, in some respects, this is an important word to hear because we are heirs of God's promise. In Hebrews, the first chapter, verse 14, it says that the angels are sent to serve us, the people who will inherit salvation. You, brothers and sisters in Christ, are those people. You will be inheriting God's salvation. 
And so God has sent to us the angels. But he has also sent to us his word that we might listen and hear what God is calling us to think about, to talk about, and to act upon. The, uh, had the TV on yesterday and discovered that the NFL season has begun again. And um, so I happened to watch a couple of games off and on, um, kind of in the background. Um, and, uh, you know, it was interesting because, you know, professional football is kind of an entity all to its, its own. And um, uh, the Cardinals, I watched a little bit of that game Friday night. And, and then uh, uh, yesterday I watched, uh, watched the game with the Minnesota Vikings as they got beat 33-6 to by the Denver Broncos. <laughs> And, and, uh, and I thought, you know, what's interesting is that those players on the Vikings team, um, my brothers who played sports would have said they stunk it up. Um, and and what, what I discovered was that even though they stunk it up, um, they're still professional athletes. They're still receiving the same pay. And they are a part of a professional football team that is not going to go away. They have received this promise that they will exist as a football team, as a professional football team, no matter how good they perform or how poorly they play. They will still be known as the Minnesota Vikings. And as I thought about that, I thought, you know, Maybe that's what God is trying to tell us through this word from the Hebrews. We can either stink it up or we can clean it up. We can either put a little effort into it or we can just collect the paycheck. It's up to us. And in the same way, that promise which has been given to us is as real today as the promise that was given to that group in that house church nearly 2,000 years ago. As heirs of the kingdom of God, do we want to listen and to hear God's living word? Will we want to follow as God leads us by the Holy Spirit. Remember, verse 12, it's not always pleasant. Two-edged sword, very sharp. And not only that, in verse 13, I don't know if I got that part in, nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. He is the one to whom we are accountable. So God knows every bit of part of us. So that means we don't need to hide. God already knows. And God still loves you and me. And God still wants a relationship with you and me. And so the question becomes, as the preacher said to the Hebrews 
in verse 11, are we ready to make every effort to enter that rest as fully as we can? There's a whole nother tangent for those who have not been able to hear this rest through discipleship, and we'll tackle that one later, but I wanted to address us here today. Are we, like the preacher said, ready to make every effort to enter the rest as fully as we can? Children of God, heirs of the promise, are we listening? 